Blog Talk Radio. It is officially college football week underway. Our college football segment and team is ready and lined up to go to talk about today's matchups. And so we'll be getting into that. <clears throat> and then also uh, coming up here at the, in the next half hour, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and our official NFL contributor, Dre, uh, uh, joins us to help us break down the upcoming NFL start of the NFL, talk a little fantasy football with him, and then calling us from down in Darlington, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest uh, joins us as we start the conversation about the NASCAR uh, playoffs. My name is Tom Mark with Del Presidente. Stick around. Well, yeah, it's about to get good. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they... Support good causes. Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? 
You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and okay. roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. And Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Buckeyes fan, and uh, our official college football co-pilot. How's it going, uh, Rick? How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good. How you been doing? Good, good, man. Ready to get some things uh, going here. Uh, Adam, how are you, sir? I'm all right, Tom. I'm uh, doing good. Good. Are you the one driving? I am. <laughs> That's okay. No worries. No problem at all. Hey guys, we're got we got a lot of games to talk about today. We've only got about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes to do the, do so, and we certainly want to make sure that we talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays tomorrow, so we'll kind of push that back on the agenda. But that is certainly going to be on our agenda. We typically start things off with Notre Dame, IU, uh, uh, Ohio State. But let's go back a little bit a couple of days ago. Adam, we'll start with you. We'll pick it up with you. Uh, of course, uh, Rick and I were doing a little trash talking uh, behind your back, I have to admit. And you said, no, you said no spoilers, so I had to wait until the next day to talk with you about the game. But Ohio State had a miserable first half. They, they, they somehow figured out a way to, to make it happen in the second half. Um, but, but certainly, it, when, you, when, you, when you're ready to start a season – that first half against Minnesota isn't exactly the way you want to start, Adam. I mean, no, but I think the Minnesota – this is not the same Minnesota team that, that only won three games last year. This is much closer to the Minnesota team that won 11 games two years ago. I think we could look at that Minnesota team, you know, come week seven, week eight, uh, and, and see – I have a feeling they're going, to be, they're going to be ranked in the top 25 – um, and then you throw in, you know, on the road, at night, on a non, not a non-normal night, in the rain, and Ohio State's like the fourth youngest team in college football. All of those pieces combined, I'm kind of not surprised. Um, they pulled it together. I, I thought that the uh, the way that they rallied was um, was something that was good for me to see. The Ohio State is so used to being way ahead of people that in the past, when we hit some adversity, a la Purdue, uh, three years ago, you know, we get behind. It's almost like the team would panic and they wouldn't know what to do. Um, but that wasn't the case uh, on Thursday night. And, you know, they had five drives of less than basically less than two minutes in the yeah. in the second half. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they – they so, it, it, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, I like seeing, especially when you're talking a really young team, I'd rather see adversity week one when you have an Oregon coming week two than if we would have played Akron one sixty six to, to, you know, seven, and all the young guys think it's easy. Like, now they've been punched in the mouth, so when Oregon comes in, if they punch us in the mouth, we will know what it feels like and how to respond. 
Yeah, and you know that was like you said a good a good uh, we won't call it a practice game, but it was a good uh, eye awakening and and uh, certainly a good second half. Rick Riggin, uh, let's go on to our game here here closer to us. Uh, but let's let's first. Do you have any thoughts on Ohio State and Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, I I thought uh, I, I agree with Adam, but I also thought that this game was very winnable for for Minnesota because uh, we're talking about two defensive touchdowns for Ohio State. And if Minnesota just makes a couple plays, doesn't give up those defensive touchdowns, we're talking about something completely different. But I will say in the second half, you saw the talent difference on the field. Chris Olave is freaking ridiculous. Uh, that is a uh, – uh, I'm a Lions fan. I, I, I want him. We don't have a receiver for the Lions. I want Olave. He, he is – he is uh, like I said, he's ridiculous. So you see the you see the talent difference come out in the second half. But uh, – you know, bad news for uh, Minnesota. They lose Ibrahim. I think that's how his last name is pronounced. That would help me out with that. They lost him. They're stud running back for the for the season, uh, ruptured Achilles. So uh, I don't know how that's going to play out for them because he's like their best player on offense uh, for the rest of the season. But uh, it reminded me of the Indiana game last year. Indiana came, went in. And, I know there was no fans or whatever, but gave Ohio State a big game. Everybody singing uh, Indiana's praises. We're going to see how Minnesota recovers for this for the, for the rest of the season. Okay. Well, speaking of Indiana, that's the game that we, we, we got up next to because that's our home uh, game. Uh, Indiana, uh, Iowa, Indiana at Iowa. This, this is going to be a good matchup. I think it might be one you want to stay away from if you're the betting man, uh, which you are. Uh, but, uh, it, of course, Maybe not, but this is going to be a good matchup. I would love to see IU come out on top week one against Iowa. I just don't see it happening this week. Rick, what are your thoughts, Iowa and, and uh, Ohio? I mean, I'm sorry, Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, you're right. As a betting man, I am staying away from it. You know, according to my DraftKings balance right now, I don't really know a whole lot about college football. So, uh, But I am staying away from this one because it, it's a coin flip. I am – in my mind, not my money, and my heart is going to pick Indiana in this game. I just think there's something uh, when IU and the Michael Penix on the field, uh, that is just a completely different dynamic to their offense, and I think IU can get it done today against I- Iowa. Man, that, those are tongue clusters, IU and Iowa. I know, I it does. I think you did. Makes you want to eat some corn. Uh, hey, Adam and, and, and Rick, I do want to get your thoughts on this before we get off on the weeds of some of these other games. Coming up on 9-11, I thought Nebraska did an awesome opening tribute uh, with the Navy SEAL and the flag walking through the town in, in Nebraska. We're all, I mean, Rick and I are patriots. I mean, veterans. Adam, I know you're a patriot. To me, I thought that was so awesome. So let's just real quickly go round table. Let's get your thoughts on that. I, I would hope none of us think that was wrong, but the fact that people actually think after having so many non-fans be able to be in the in the in the stands and what recently happened with our country, both domestically and abroad, I thought that was very very appropriate. Adam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm the kind of person that I get choked up when I see like the restaurants that are paying tribute to the 13 Marines that lost their lives in Afghanistan. Right. So like, right. dude, that I was, it, that was done in an incredibly classy fashion. And I'll be the kind of person that I'm like, if you don't do something next week, shame on you because Absolutely. we can't, we can't forget. 
Like, we just, we can't. It's, it's especially considering what is happening right now in the Middle East. We, we can't forget everything that happened partably, what, 20 years ago. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I thought it was incredibly well done, and I'm, I'm hopeful. I actually, I'm, I'm curious to see what the military academies do next week and how they pay tribute. Um, that'll be something I'll probably look for, like on YouTube. Um, but no, it was it was really well done, and um, I applaud, yeah, Nebraska for for doing that last week. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and, and Rick, I know you don't live here in Indianapolis, but <clears throat> there's a guy here in Indianapolis who has every year 9/11 uh, memory. Uh, he waved the gigantic flag. Uh, over 465, and Adam, I'm sure you've seen him here, and he, he's there every year. And, and yeah. as the years have gone, there's there's just been several people that have joined him up here on the bridge at 465. Rick, what are your thoughts, real quick? We got to get into these other games, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Rick. Yeah, Adam said right there, never forget. And I tell you one thing, I'll never forget because 9/11 uh, happened uh, when I was in my fifth day of basic when that happened. Uh, so my entire service went to supporting uh, at the wars in Afghanistan and, and Iraq, and I can speak with passion on this. Uh, this might not be the platform to do it. I could do your whole show for two hours. I have speak with passion on my thoughts on this. Yeah. How do you defeat an enemy that hides behind women and children the past 20 years and then tries to claim victory whenever we decide to leave? That's bullshit, yeah. and I can speak with passion on this for two hours. Absolutely. You're more than welcome to speak with passion on that. Well, let's, let's move forward, Adam. Let's, try, let's keep it in the Big Ten. Wisconsin-Penn State is going to be a good matchup, probably one of the premium matchups of the week and happening right here in the, the Big Ten, backyard of the Big Ten. I like Penn State on this one. I know there's a lot, some Badger fans out there that, that say there's no way that Penn State can beat Wisconsin. Uh, but I, I like this matchup, and <clears throat> they're at Wisconsin. I know that's, that's another variable to Wisconsin. But I like Penn State on this one. Adam, what are your thoughts, Penn State and Wisconsin? I, I actually like Wisconsin on this one for one big, big reason. Wisconsin will probably have on both sides of the ball the best two or three players. So the best quarterback in this matchup is going to be Graham Mertz. Uh, he was young last year, got his first taste of action, had some really great games, had some really bad games. But those are good things for freshman quarterbacks. Or in his case, he was a, a sophomore quarterback. Um, but Graham Burks is incredibly talented. Um, Wisconsin, once again, has another really great running back. This is a Penn State team we don't really know anything about. Like, every year for the last several years, there have been two or three players for Penn State that you're like, that guy's a stud, that guy's a stud, that guy's a stud. This year on Penn State, I don't know who that stud is. And so I think for Penn State, for me, that doesn't mean they don't have them, but i got to see them step up and actually show out before I'm going to wager a, a pick for, against a team like Wisconsin that's going to be incredibly well-disciplined, that's not going to turn the ball over, that's going to run it right down your throat, and is going to play disciplined defense. Rick, what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts on Penn State and Wisconsin? Yeah, Penn State has some hump they can't get over. I'm just not quite sure what it is. Maybe the hump is it's just Ohio State. Uh, you know, James Franklin, I love James Franklin. He made Vanderbilt a winner. Uh, I don't know why, uh, what the struggle is in Penn State when now that he can recruit the athletes he needs. Uh, so, uh, but for selfish reasons, I'm taking Wisconsin here uh, for the reasons Adam 
uh, said, the running game, they're going, they're going to be very disciplined. But I need them to be undefeated when they go in that Shamrock Series game in Chicago against Notre Dame. So selfish reasons to help Notre Dame out. Uh, they need to be undefeated uh, going into that Irish game. Selfish reasons. I get you. Uh, all right, let's move on to see one of our favorite uh, teams that we like to talk about, and that's Alabama. They're in a neutral side in, in Atlanta against Miami. Uh, you know, the world's always going to root for Alabama, so I, I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. But honestly, in all, in all truthfulness, uh, uh, Rick, I think that, that Miami has a very good shot of beating Alabama in Atlanta this weekend. Well, I, I would say – uh, De'Aaron King uh, for Miami is, uh, I mean, he could probably start, he could maybe even start for Alabama. I mean, I think he's that good at quarterback. He's that dynamic anyway. I don't know about how great of a downfield passer he is, but uh, he could bail you out on his feet. I mean, he's he's a running back too, basically. So uh, he's a great quarterback. And uh, I'd say Miami is getting Alabama at the best time when Alabama is going to be on the field and trying to figure out who they really are. Uh they're running out Bryce Young, you know, new quarterback hasn't taken a snap yet in college football. So while Alabama's still trying to figure out who they are, uh, Miami's getting them game one. So that's probably the best time to catch Alabama. Adam, do you have any thoughts on Alabama and Miami? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Rick on this. I mean, I think I, I think Alabama's going to win handily, but I do feel like Miami's got a puncher's chance. Miami has to avoid getting down big early because when you have teams like that that are an underdog, you don't have the ability to have fans on your side. If you get in a hole early, it's really hard emotionally and mentally to come back. But if they can hang in, get a couple big plays, get some of these young, untested Alabama players, similar to what we saw from Ohio State um, on Thursday night, Miami's got a shot. They've got that puncher's chance because, as Rick said, Derek King is he is as dynamic as it gets, but we've got to see him do it against upper-level competition. But if he can, he will vault himself into the Heisman contention this week. Adam, we'll say with you, that we look at the Texas Longhorns. They've got another a new coach. Well, of course, so does Tennessee. Uh, and they're probably the more talented team uh, than the Raging Cajuns down there in Louisiana. They're breaking in a lot of unproven uh, underclassmen. Uh, but there's been a lot of uh, talk about Texas not being ready for some games like Louisiana. I think this comes to, to the truth this weekend. I think uh, the Louisiana uh, Cajun, Raging Cajuns beat Texas for a lot of reasons, if nothing else, uh, as, as, as a proof of how strong of a state they are after Ida. Yeah, you know, this is tough. I, Texas is – like, Texas is kind of like – I hate to say their name, but it's kind of like, you know, Michigan. And the, their name is actually bigger than what they've done on the field. <laughs> yeah. For the last we finally got him to say it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that's the thing is you're talking I, – I I can – I don't know how you can pick Michigan – or not Michigan, sorry. I don't know how you can pick uh, <laughs> Texas when – Three times the same routinely, show. Man, we are on a roll here. I know. <laughs> when they routinely let you down. Uh, Louisiana – has some really good players this year. Uh, they they do this every few years. 
they'll get some guys that maybe transferred from LSU uh, or Texas and Oklahoma. And every few years, they'll have one of those teams that's ranked in the top 25. They'll go to a mid-year bowl game and then beat the snot out of somebody. So, like, this is the perfect year, and I think Texas is going to come in. They're going to come out hot trying to play for their new coach, and then I, I think they could have one of those where you start hot and then you just fizzle late, and then Louisiana pulls it out in the end. Rick, what are your thoughts on this game? And this might be a game that you do want to bet on. Uh, but uh, Louisiana and Texas, what are your thoughts? Of course, Texas is a home for this game, so that's always an advantage there in Texas. Yeah, well, let's not forget that the uh, Raging Cajuns came in and beat Iowa State in game one last year. Uh, they got a lot mm-hmm. of those players back, so they, they, they know what that is. They know what that feels like. Uh, so, and there's something with Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's a great, phenomenal coordinator. But a head coach, I, I, I don't know. It just, uh, for me, that just feels like that's one position above where he actually belongs. Uh, can he turn around Texas? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you go back and look at what he did with Alabama's offense last year, it's phenomenal. Uh, so, I'd say there's probably a talent difference still between Texas and, uh, Louisiana, but, uh, I think Texas kind of gets a, 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 a close win here. It's going to be – I don't know what the spread is on this. I imagine it's probably pretty it's close. Nine. It's, it's nine. Three nine. It's a plus nine. Nine. It's a plus nine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd bet that spread. You know, I, <laughs> I, but uh, I think they, they pull out a close one here. I think it's going to be closer than nine. All right, guys, for essence of time, let's just uh, uh, do a twofer here, and then we'll get on to the Notre Dame game. We still have some time left in our our segment. Uh, Certainly uh, the betting community will tell you to certainly stay the heck away from this next game, and that's Georgia versus Clemson. Going to be a great game, probably one of the better games to watch this weekend, especially when you like that SEC action that that we always go after. Uh, But certainly – you got to think Clemson's going to win here. I mean, they're at Charlotte. I just There's a lot of advantages here, uh, and, and Clemson has a lot to prove. And, and getting beat by Georgia in week one would be like that team up north uh, beating Ohio State in week one. I, I, I said it for you there, Adam. Uh, and, then also, <laughs> and then also let's talk about LSU at UCLA. I mean – I mean, I think this one is a game that's got UCLA written all over it. Rick, I'll give you the, the two first, and then uh, Adam, uh, we'll get to you, and then we'll get over to Notre Dame. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, for uh, Georgia Clemson, uh, I'm also staying away from betting on this game. I think it's a coin flip. I think the spread is only like three points, something like that. Uh, I'm afraid to bet it because uh, I'm a sissy, I guess. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to take I'm going to take Georgia in this game because that defense is. Uh, that is a that is a, a grown man's defense in college football this year. And having JT Daniels at quarterback, he's got all the experience being USC's quarterback. He came in and completely changed the outlook of that offense last year when he came in last year. Uh, so he, he's a high as a contender. Uh, I, I think Georgia gets it done. And uh, that Georgia-Alabama game for the SEC championship game this year is going to be incredible. I think Georgia is that good this year. Uh, I think D.J. Uyunglele. Uh, it's hard for me to pronounce, but uh, uh, he's really dynamic. We got to see him against Notre Dame last year. I mean, he almost pulled off the win at Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson's always loaded with, with talent. I just think they're going up against uh, – he doesn't have that much experience, right, going up against a defense like Georgia has this year. Uh, I just think it's going to be a Georgia win. And, uh, Tom, I agree with you about UCLA. I know they 
it was they 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 beat Hawaii last week. You know, they scored like 50 points or something on Hawaii. I, I think this is actually a good team Chip Kelly's put together. And I don't know much about LSU coming off that season they had last year. I, I think I, I agree with you. I think this game has UCLA written all over it. Adam, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much right on with with Rick on this. I don't think Clemson has had to play – I mean, they've played really three tough games in two years, uh, both Ohio State games and then this one. Um, and, and Oh, and, and then Notre Dame. Um, and so, so you're talking like they just haven't – they haven't had to deal with this level of competition. I've got Georgia winning, um, which will, in my opinion, especially with UNC losing to Virginia Tech, I think effectively knock Clemson out of the playoff, barring – an Ohio State, the Pac-12 winner, or Oklahoma would need two losses because you look at Clemson's schedule, I don't think they're going to play a ranked team the rest of the season. So I've got, I've got Georgia taking this one um, against the fighting Davos, and anytime Davos Sweeney takes an L, it makes me smile. Um, and then, <laughs> again, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. We don't know what to expect from LSU and UCLA, they kind of raised the transfer portal a little bit, but Chip Kelly's his job is on the line, and he knows it. And so he's got these this team. This will be the best team he's ever put together um, at UCLA thus far. And, and I think there's there's some there could be some excitement, and he could maybe get some momentum going towards reestablishing them as a Pac-12 powerhouse. All right, guys, let's move on to our final and premium game tomorrow: Notre Dame, Florida State. We're going to kick it off with you. Uh, uh, Rick, uh, you know, first of all, the the uh, McKenzie Milton is going to be the Florida State quarterback. Uh, it's been nearly three years since he's played a football game, but that said, he does have a lot of talent. I guess let's talk a little bit about the game prep. I'll let you take it over from here, uh, Rick, and uh, talk with us a little bit about tomorrow's game and how they're preparing to win their game one uh, and, and to, to Florida State, which by all rights is going to be a very good football team this year. Yeah, Mackenzie Milton with uh, with uh, UCF a few years ago was great, but yeah, that was a really nasty injury he had that's put him down for the past couple of years. Uh, so he's not going to be the, the same Mackenzie Milton we saw at UCF uh, a couple of years ago. So, and also Florida State is under a complete rebuild. I know they brought in Mike Norville last year. Uh, it, it takes a few years to. Uh, to uh, you know, install everything you need and get your players to run your offense and run your defense, and they're just not quite there yet. Uh, he came in from Memphis. I don't know how that uh, offense, that style, of, uh, I guess it's a spread option offense they ran at Memphis, how that's going to work. That's probably great. It's probably okay in the ACC, but I guess a team like Notre Dame, who is uh, who has been the model of consistency for the past few years, uh, uh, Notre Dame is built to uh, play against teams like Florida State, and I think they're going to roll and handle them uh, pretty easily. Yeah, I know Notre Dame, they're going to probably gonna start the game off the way Ohio State did, just trying to figure things out, take it slow, uh, which this game is at, at, at FSU. So that's kind of a bad thing because I've seen it in person myself. A couple years ago, Notre Dame went to uh, Louisville, and just try to figure things out, and Louisville kept it close up until halftime, and then 
Notre Dame went up by three scores in the second half. I can kind of see the same thing today. Notre Dame trying to figure themselves out in the first half and uh, winning big uh, when it's all said and done. All right, Adam, final word goes to you, Notre Dame, Florida State. I I can't, man. I don't know how you can trust Florida State. They haven't had a good team since Jamin, Jameis Winston got on a table with some crab legs. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that, that they – They've had a series of head-scratching coaching hires. Um, I, I just – I've got Notre Dame taking it handily. Um, Notre Dame this year, they're another team that, that again, playoff potential. Uh, if Clemson loses this week, it definitely cracks open the door uh, for, for, for Notre Dame to slide into that to one of those spots as well. Um, yeah, I think I think Notre Dame is, is – they're one of the, I think, six – I don't know. I don't even know what the ranking is right now because week one I'd just kind of ignore it. But they're right. going to be one of the, the top six or seven teams in the country. Undoubtedly, it's just going to come down to for their entire uh, their entire year because of the the the, the not having the, the ACC conference to, to use this year. They're back to their independent schedule. Every win that's impressive. Um, makes them look even better. And, and, I mean, I know that you could have – Notre Dame is always a an exciting prospect to have in the playoffs. And, and yeah, I think Notre Dame wins handily um, to get this year kicked off, kicked off right. All right, guys, yeah, Adam, I would the, say go, go ahead, go ahead, Rick, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Adam, I was going to tell you they're 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 coming out ranked eighth, and they got uh, Wisconsin and Cincinnati back to back at the end of this month. So they yeah. rolled through this month. Uh, there's something going to – yeah, they rolled through this month. Get past that Cincinnati game undefeated. Uh, they're probably going. They're probably going to win out. They should win out. Yeah. All right, guys. We're going into the holiday weekend. Uh, any big plans, Rick, for the holiday weekend? You're going out on the boat. What's going on? Uh, well, the plan was to go out on the boat, and then uh, Hurricane Ida, you know, dropped all that rain on the East Coast, and they had all that bad flooding. Well, all that has traveled down river, so the river here is up. Uh, we can't take the boat out, so uh, the plan is to, to kick back, watch the college football, eat a bunch of greasy stuff that's not good for you, and it sounds amazing. Hey, I'm, I've got to say, i got a whole weekend of menu stuff planned. I'm making brats tonight. I'm smoking some drummies tomorrow. I'm smoking a brisket on Sunday. And so I'm, I'm all lined up and, and ready to go. Adam, what do, you, what do you got going on for the holiday weekend? Uh, just gonna gonna hang out, uh, watch some games tonight. Uh, I got church stuff tomorrow, and then Monday I think my wife has house projects for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what you could tell her though. Also, is you know, honey, I got some church projects, but I gotta do. You know, it's it's just kind of a thing. You know, <laughs> she can't she can't tell you no for that. You just can't. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Adam, you have yourself a good weekend, whatever you're doing. And, Rick, where can people find your work? Master Pizza, sir. Yeah, on the Twitter, at Reagan underscore Rick. On the Twitter. All right, guys, you have a good, good and safe weekend. We'll talk with you next week, and hopefully we've got some some upsets and, and, and uh, chaos to talk about. That's what we root for here on this show. We'll talk with you guys that later. Is, that's right. Sounds good. Yep, have a good one, guys. Thanks, Tom. All right, we'll see ya. Rick Bregan and Adam Jividan joins us.
Talking college football, getting things kicked off. My name's Don Marcos, El Presidente. Stick around. We'll be back with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, as we get things ready for the upcoming week one of the NFL. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I, got, I, got. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's Fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lekwa pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
All right, welcome back to The Balance. Thanks to Rick Riggin and Adam Jividen helping us kick off week one of college football. It is here, and we are just right around the corner from the NFL and helping us break that down. Now, a little bit earlier today, I appreciate him uh, accommodating our schedule changes, but Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Ed, welcome back to The Balance. Are we ready for week one? of the NFL. Yeah, good morning. It's a little, uh, I'm still in a little bit of, of a fog here at, at this early hour uh, with the adjustment <laughs> in the schedule. But. <laughs> See, when you said fog, uh, I thought, yeah. okay, well, wait a minute. Is this more of the Ida related? Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, did you, I, heard, I got salt in your neck of the woods. It got, got pretty bad. Flooding and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. Fortunately, we, you know, where I live, we were spared uh, but you know, there were storms all around us and, and we had a major, you know, a lot of rainfall. We lost power for maybe all of five minutes, but you know, we don't, we didn't have any flooding in the home or, or okay. anything like that. But this, yeah, the, the streets in Philadelphia were, were pretty bad. Um, yeah. In fact, yeah, one of the major the orders, of that. Yeah. One and of doesn't your son, uh, go to school and, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah, my son, he wasn't in New York. He's in California right now, uh, oh, okay. but he does work in New York. He, he, but, yeah, he's out in California. He can work remotely. So he's been out there seeing his girlfriend, so he, was, he wasn't in New York City, which, was got, which got hammered, too. I mean, those streets were like canals. And, um, you know, Philadelphia, one of the main, major arteries in Philly, uh, just this morning I saw a picture finally drained. Uh, that had been, you know, underwater for, I guess, three days, and it, it finally drained, and it's covered in sludge, but they're going to clear it off and, and uh, hopefully open it soon because it's right near where they're doing this Made in America concert right on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway this weekend. So uh, they're going to need they're going to need ways to get people in and out of there, and that's a major major roadway. So they're, they're, uh, it looks like that might be open later today or tomorrow morning. And the, the the pictures of the of the subways in New York City was just crazy. Uh, but let's just let's yeah. get down to things real quickly. Uh, college football opens up this week. Certainly, we saw Ohio State in action uh, this past week. And then, but today, uh, Penn State and Wisconsin going to be a very good game. Very yeah. very good game to watch. Uh, certainly, uh, they're at Wisconsin. I think Penn State can pull this one off. You got any thoughts on on the Nittany Lions there today against Wisconsin? Yeah, I think Penn State's supposed to have a good team this year. Um, you know, I, I really don't know, like, you know, I don't really know about either of these teams, to be honest, but I'm excited. For, I'm going to watch the game at the 12 o'clock here Eastern time. And, um, you know, I'm excited for college football. I think maybe because last year it was such a weird year, and this year they're really coming out of the gate swinging with some, you know, some good games. Usually we see some of these power schools open against, you know, teams that are just trying to cash a paycheck. But, you know, we're seeing some good games. I mean, all throughout today you have obviously Clemson, Georgia, and, and uh, Miami, and, and Alabama, and Penn State, Wisconsin. I mean, there's some, there's some good games. And, you know, Thursday night you had Ohio State and Minnesota, which was a good game. So, you know, that's exciting, when, you know, when you come right out of the gate first weekend and you have some, you know, good games that you're looking forward to. So let's uh, get into the NFL talk with the Philadelphia Eagles. Camp's broken. People, uh, teams are getting ready for a week one. You guys have the Falcons. What are some of the takeaways that you learned uh, in camp and some of the, the pros, the cons? What are, give us a look inside the Philadelphia Eagles nest 
if you will, uh, getting ready for week one. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what this team actually looks like. We didn't really get a good gauge of that in the preseason, but, you know, they're going to play their starters, obviously, because this game counts. So, you know, it's it's the same thing with the Eagles. They're, they're good on both sides of the ball on their, on their lines, the offensive and defensive lines, a lot of uh, veteran experience there. And uh, that's kind of going to be what they lean on. And uh, Zach Ertz is back for the Eagles. I think that's a huge surprise for many that follow the NFL. Nobody expected Zach Ertz to still be in Philadelphia, but here he is. And it looks like they're going to play, you know, two tight ends, just kind of like what they did the last few years under Doug Peterson. They're going to play as much 12 personnel as they can, two tight ends on the field at the same time, even though they want to be more an 11 personnel team with three wide receivers. And, you know, they have three that, you know, many think will be very good over the course of the season. Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, the back-to-back first-round picks the last two years. And then Quez Watkins, who had a, a pretty good camp. Um, but, you know, they're hoping that, to get those three on the field, too. So, uh, you know, they have some weapons, I think. And even in the backfield with Miles Sanders and this rookie Kenny Gainwell, um, yeah, I, you know, I think the Eagles, you know, they, they could surprise some teams. I mean, they have a very difficult schedule early on. Um, although I think this game in Atlanta should be a toss-up game. I think anybody could win that game in, in Atlanta next Sunday. Uh, but then they play the 49ers, which, you know, they're an interesting story. They could be playing two quarterbacks, rotating two quarterbacks in and out. But, uh, you know, it's a tough schedule. And then I think as the season goes on, it gets a little bit easier. Uh, they play more of their division opponents late in the season. And you got to figure by then maybe – with this first-year coach and Nick Sirianni and, and some of these young weapons on offense, they're playing better, and, you know, maybe they can make a run at it. But, you know, it all starts on th- on Sunday, so so we'll see how, how it com- comes out. Before we get into some of these other teams, uh, you know, the, the three players – I have two of these players. I'll actually my fantasy, so I'm kind of a little selfish about this uh, too. But uh, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, and Miles Sanders, those are the three crucial uh, key points, if you will, or links to success for the Eagles. So we, we've seen yeah. Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, having some injury and illness. Is, is he going to be ready to play? And Miles uh, oh, yeah. Sanders, I think he's going to be – Fantastic. Devontae Smith is my other fantasy, so I got Dalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. Uh, so I, I, I feel very confident about uh, Devontae uh, Smith. Uh, you know, but those three uh, players are critical. What are your thoughts? What are your takeaway on these three as we go into week one? Yeah, I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to take some people by surprise. I think, you know, he, he even showed last year in four games. I mean, he, he had a pretty good four-game stretch there. Yeah, the Eagles didn't win those games, but, you know, the Eagles were, were a train wreck <clears throat> up and down the lineup. Uh, it wasn't just Jalen Hurts, but, you know, in the, in the time you saw, I think that game he played in Arizona with, uh, against Kyler Murray was one of the most entertaining games I saw all year, to be honest. Um, but, you know, he, he's got that skill set where he can run and he can throw. Uh, he's elusive, and, and uh, you know, he, he ran for almost 1,000 yards in four games last year. He threw for over 1,000 yards in four games, so – you know, you extrapolate that over a 16 or 17 game schedule and, you know, those numbers could be pretty high. Now you hope that he stays healthy because he is going to be, you know, running the ball and, you know, he's going to stay healthy, you know, uh, and we'll see if he can. I mean, he's built like a running back. He should be able to bear up better than say Carson Wentz has uh, during Carson's couple years here. Um, And then Devontae Smith, 
listen, Mike, you know, he's certainly a talent. You watch him practice and, you know, he's, he's a very good route runner. He can beat press coverage on the line, but uh, my concern with him is what it was coming out of college is that weight, you know, he was four days into his first pro camp and he hurt his knee and then he missed two weeks. So uh, you hope that at 166 pounds, he can stay healthy uh, and play all 17 games. You know, we'll see. Uh, that's still a concern of mine, that, that weight issue and, the, and how skinny he is. Um, and then the other one, you mentioned Miles Sanders. Yeah, he's, you know, he should have a thousand yard season. I mean, he has 17 games to do it. Um, and I think they'll use him well enough that they'll probably keep him healthy through the course of the year. He is healthy starting the year this year. Last year, he missed the first game with a hamstring issue and he was really never healthy, uh, early in the season. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, there are three great picks there, Tom. I think if Smith can stay healthy, he's going to put up numbers. Miles Sanders will put up numbers. And I think Jalen Hurts will too. Talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, as we get ready uh, for week one. Uh, Thursday, uh, we, we have the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Texans at Kansas City. Obviously, big AFC matchup. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is, is the king of Arrowhead. Uh, name soon to be changed, probably stand by on that. No, I'm just kidding. There's not been anything official said about that. But it, just, it wouldn't surprise me, put it that way. Uh, but they open up at, uh, Kansas City opens up at home. Houston Texans certainly we pay a lot of attention to them here in the AFC South. What are your thoughts as we get the NFL kicked off on Thursday night? Yeah, that Thursday game, Dallas and Tampa Bay. I mean, that's, uh, you know, defending Super Bowl champs and the Cowboys. Everybody thinks the Cowboys will win the NFC East. We'll see if Dak Prescott can, you know, kind of shake off the, you know, he had a couple injuries. He had a big injury last year, and I think he had a shoulder issue during camp didn't play in the preseason, um, you know, and Tampa Bay brings everybody back from that Super Bowl team, basically. So, uh, you know, unless they feel like they got complacent, which I don't think Tom Brady will let them become complacent, then, I, you know, Tampa Bay should win that game. I mean, I, you know, Dallas I don't think is going to roll over for them. Uh, Dallas's defense is a question, though, for sure, and I think Tampa can exploit that. But, yeah, it's exciting. Thursday night we're finally going to get some NFL football that counts. Um, and we're going to get to see the defending Super Bowl champs and your favorite quarterback, Tom, Tom Brady. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, overall, if we, if we were just to kind of look at the, the strength of schedules uh, or, or strength of teams, what's the, 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 do you think is the strongest team to look at? I know a lot of people are looking at the Cowboys. A lot of people are also looking at, at, you know, the Seahawks being a very strong team. If you were to just kind of pick a team from each division, who you think, hey, let's just keep an eye on these. These are our, our early, early, uh, well, we won't call them early Super Bowl picks. We won't go that far. But these are the te- the teams that are going to start out strong and, and uh, you know, make a huge impression in week one. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I guess, we, you know, we can start in the NFC East with the Eagles. I mean, I, I like that Washington football team. They won the division last year. Uh, there hasn't been a repeat winner in this division, though, since the Eagles did it in uh, 03 and 04. So uh, that's, that's quite a trend. Um, but, yeah, the Cowboys, you know, I, I'm not really sold on their defense. I mean, yeah, their offense could be very, very good if Dak Prescott, again, you know, doesn't have any – Injury issues, but I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm going to pick the Washington football team to win that division. <clears throat> I love their defense. I love their coach, Ron Rivera. 
Um, their quarterback is a question, of course, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I like them in the in the NFC East. And, you know, if you go over to the NFC North and, you know, the Packers certainly look like the team. Aaron Rodgers, probably his last year there. That's going to be a storyline to watch. Uh, but, you know, the, I don't think the Lions are going to be that good um, again. Uh, I'm not sure how the good the Vikings are going to be. And the Bears, you know, Andy Dalton, the quarterback, I can't, I can't see them really challenging. So the Packers are, are probably the team there. And then maybe in the NFC East or South, the, uh, uh, the Saints are starting uh, Jameis Winston, which I'm not completely sold on him. The only member of the 30-30 club when he played in Tampa, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. We'll see how good a coach Sean Payton is if they can get – 10 wins out of, out of Jameis Winston. I know there's some talent around him. I think there's some questions on defense, but, uh, you know, obviously Tampa's still the cream of the crop in that division. Uh, so I would expect Tampa to probably win there. And then the NFC West, you mentioned the Seahawks. I'm not sure. They still have Russell Wilson, who wasn't happy this offseason. He reports that he wanted to be traded. But I think the 49ers are going to be the team to come out of that NFC West, and it's going to be good because the Eagles have their home opener against the 49ers on September 18th, so I'll get a good look at them. But I like them. I, you know, I think I'm not really crazy about this two-quarterback system that Shanahan's talking about using with uh, Garoppolo and Trey Lance. They always say if you don't, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any or something like that. So I'm not <laughs> sure how well that's going to work, but. But I like that defense. I like that team. I, and I think they got a lot of weapons in San Francisco. And then you go to the AFC South, you know, your, your division there. Um, you know, Titans and Colts, I, I think, are going to be the two teams that battle it out, right? I mean, I don't, the Texans I don't expect much from. And the Jags, you know, I think they're going to be a mess again, um, even with Urban Meyer. Uh, but, yeah, the Titans and Colts, the two teams there, obviously. Um you know, I probably would pick the Titans at this point. I, you know, that quarterback situation with the Colts is sort of dicey. I mean, is Carson going to start week one, or is it going to be, you know, Jacob Eason, or, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and I think didn't T.Y. Hilton just have some, some issues. I think he's not going to play early on. And um, You know, but they have a good offensive line and a good defense, so you can't count out the Colts. I just wish they were a little more subtle at quarterback. Um, that that could bite them, uh, you know, especially early on until they figure that out. But the Titans, I think, are probably the best team. And then the AFC East, you have the Bills. Uh, you know, everybody's falling in love with Mac Jones and the Patriots. Um, you know, I saw some odds makers posted their line after six weeks of the season whose record would be what, and they had the Patriots at 5-1. and one. Yeah, that's a lot of faith in Mac Jones. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't. I'm not sure about that. I, you know, the Bills to me are the cream of the crop there. And then in the AFC North, it's going to be a good battle with the Steelers, Ravens, Browns, Bengals clearly aren't ready. Um, in fact, their coach is probably going to be one of the first ones that gets fired, um, even with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But, you know, those three teams, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win that one. But, you know, the Browns <laughs> are good. Browns, Browns might be the team this year. Might be. And then in might the AFC be. West, yeah, the go, Chiefs go, in the AFC West, clearly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. And Chiefs, maybe the Chargers rise up in the AFC West. And, and, you know, with Justin Herbert in his second year, had a great first year, new head coach. Uh, but, you know, the Chiefs are just too strong to, to do much uh, against. But, you know, maybe the Chargers can get in as a wild card. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> the, the, the official uh, forecast. Uh, and uh, obviously the Colts uh, start uh, at home with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. 
Carson Wentz yeah. still remains questionable, so it looks like that at least for the for real we'll see future. Sorry, I can't speak today. Jacob Eason's going to be the quarterback. More importantly, we talked about the conversation that seems to be the, the more important topic for us to talk about here in local media, and that's Carson Wentz and his vaccination. I, I, I personally think he needs to do it, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm taking sides here, but I also understand when he addressed the media, he said he's gone back and forth on whether or not to get vaccinated. At one point, it was the kind of thing that kept him up at night, uh, and he hasn't ruled out anything in the future. But it's been a family decision that he's made together with his family that this is not the best time for him to get a vaccination. Uh, And the Colts, contrary to what people have said that you and I talked about offline, the Colts have said that his questionable position has nothing to do, one has nothing to do with the other. So him not being vaccinated has nothing to do with him not being, at the moment anyway, QB1. Jacob Eason is. Uh, what are your thoughts as we look at this, again, quarterback situation here in Indianapolis, a story that I wish that we could just get behind us, but it just does not seem to go away. Yeah, uh, gosh, I mean, you know, it's just drama that you don't need from your first-year quarterback, really. I mean, I listen, you know, you're feeling whatever your feelings are on vaccinations. He's the quarterback. He, he's a guy that of anybody on that team should have the vaccination because – you can't be with your teammates unless you're vaccinated. You can't eat and dine with your teammates. There's a lot of restrictions on players that aren't vaccinated. And if you're the quarterback and you're the supposed to be the leader of the team, you have to be present. You have to be mixing with your teammates. You know, you can't be kind of shunned like the NFL has done with these unvaccinated players. And to me, I, I, I don't know what, keeping Carson Wentz awake at night. I don't know why it's the best thing for his family to be unvaccinated. To me, you would think with, you know, two young kids that, yeah, mm-hmm. I need to And one on the way. Because, yeah, right, yeah, well, he's got the one and then one on the way, a pregnant wife. You would think, yeah, you, you know, I don't want to bring the virus here, you know, or, you know, you still can if you're vaccinated. But, listen, you know, I, I don't know what is going through his head, but, uh, you know, someone asked me the other day if, the Eagles are kind of glad to be free of this drama. Imagine if that was playing out in Philadelphia. I mean, mm-hmm. that would just consume a young team like the Eagles. You know, <clears throat> you don't need drama at the quarterback spot as it is. And that's what Carson Wentz is doing uh, with the Colts. And look, look how it's can see just said it's being talked about all over the place in Indianapolis. I mean, it, it shouldn't be an issue. You know, we asked Jalen Hurts, have you been vaccinated? Yeah, I took the vaccine. End of story. Three word answer. Done move on and he's around the <laughs> you know he's it, it, there's no drama with Jalen Hurts and whether you know he's not the talent that Wentz is I don't think but uh you just don't want drama at the quarterback spot and that's what Wentz is bringing and he and he's we've seen that here in Philadelphia with his injuries and his week to week are you going to play how's your back when he had the back injury and you know the whole concussion thing I mean it's just I don't know uh, I think if you want to be a leader you have to be around your teammates. And by not having the vaccine, you are not around your teammates. And and that's not a good thing when you're trying to come into a new city, you know, surrounded by a new teammate, new coaches. You you want to make an impression. You want to be around the guys. You know, he's, he's kind of ostracized himself from that. Well, let's uh, talk about just one other team just because, uh, you know, hey, we're in Indianapolis and we have to talk about it more. We're, I'm in Indianapolis, and that's the, the New England Patriots. More importantly, yeah. the storyline being is that they cut Cam Newton, and uh, 
they made uh, Mac Jones their QB one. Uh, and, you know, off- offensive coordinator. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't even want to say his name anymore. Josh McDaniel. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, he did us a favor. Uh, I, look, I look back at it now. He did us a favor. But Josh McDaniels decided that, hey, they're going to go with Mac Jones as a QB1. They did let uh, they did let Cam Newton go, and they signed Garrett Gilbert to the practice squad. What are we reading into the tea leaves here? Because clearly what, what uh, the Patriots are looking for is that heir appearance of Tom Brady, and I don't know if they have him on their team right now. Well, I think Mac Jones can be can be that guy. I mean, I I think he'll be pretty good. I I just think it might take him a little bit of time. But uh, you know, I saw him practice two days in Philadelphia, and first day he didn't look so hot, but the second day he looked sharp. You know, I mean, he he, he looks like he has some accuracy. Um, but here's the thing, Tom: is you, Alabama doesn't produce very successful NFL quarterbacks. Um, you know, now maybe he'll be the outlier here. I mean, you have to go back to like Kenny Stabler and and Joe Namath to find anybody good that came out of that football factory there in Tuscaloosa that has done anything in the NFL. Uh, in fact, I, I saw a stat this week: the last Alabama uh, quarterback to win at least seven games in the NFL. You have to go back to 1983 when Richard Todd did it for the New York Jets. I mean, that's a long time. And now you have Mac Jones and you have Tua uh, Tungliavoa in Miami and you have Jalen Hurts. You could say he's an Alabama guy. I mean, he spent three years there before going to Oklahoma. I liked that he had the year at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, but um, really you have three Alabama quarterbacks that are going to try to beat Richard Todd's record of seven wins. <laughs> Back in 1983, uh, that's you know that's quite a trend. But I think Mac Jones is good. I think he'll be fine. I think he could be the heir apparent to Tom Brady. It's big shoes to fill. He's not going to be the next Tom Brady. But can he win games uh, for Belichick? Yeah, I, I think he can. I, I'm just not sure how many in his first season he's going to win. Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Joining us at a little bit earlier time today, uh, and uh, SI.com and our official NFL contributor. As always, it's it's awesome to have you on board with us. We're looking forward to a great season. Any big plans for the weekend, the holiday weekend? Well, we were talking about hitting the beach, you know, going down to South Jersey, but I think we're just going to lay low. I'm going to watch some college football today, maybe take in a movie, go to maybe go to my sister's uh, party, a pool party tomorrow. So. Uh, just take it easy, you know, just kind of recharge, get ready for the NFL season in four, you know, four or five days here. Well, the beach might be kind of rough. I don't know. I'm just thinking that, that there's still the, the hang around of Ida still hanging around. I don't know, but Hey, whatever you do, I know, man. It's a be- it's a, yeah. It's a beautiful day though today. So I, I think, yeah. you know, it'd be fine, but it's just, it, you know, it's not supposed to be real hot. So I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't That's know. Good. We just don't feel like piling in the car and driving an hour and a half. So I, I hear you. Well, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be pretty much around the house. I, I got, I'm making brats tonight. I'm smoking some drummies nice. tomorrow. I'm smoking a brisket on Monday. So, just uh, eating and and chilling, watching college football and racing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll be sending, I'm sure you'll be sending me some photos to make my mouth water, Tom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can count on yeah. it. Ed Kratz, be right up for buddy. the Philadelphia Eagles on SI.com. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Uh, you can find it at 
www.eaglemaven.com or at uh, si.com slash NFL slash Eagles or on Twitter at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E. All right, buddy. Have, you, have yourself a good weekend. Thanks. Happy holiday, Tom. Yep. Ed Kratz joins us for an NFL segment. Right around the corner joining us from Darlington is Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor. We're getting ready to kick off the NASCAR playoffs. Yep, yep, it's still about to get good. Stick around. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Alright, welcome back to the final quarter of The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. It's the first Saturday in September. That means it's college football weekend. Week it has been kicked off. It's kicking off, I should say. And Rick Riggin, our official college football prognosticator. And Adam Jividen, our college football co-pilot. Uh, we did, opened up our segment. And then we just had Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, breaking down the NFL. So a lot going on this week. But joining us now from Darlington, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Are we ready for some playoffs, sir? Yeah, it would be an interesting weekend uh, starting this thing off in Darlington. So I know you're a Florida State guy, and Rick is a Notre Dame guy. So uh, tomorrow you got Florida State. I don't think. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Florida State and Notre Dame? Uh, you know, Florida State for such a long time has been in this kind of flex period where they have gone through, what is it now, three uh, head coaches in about mm-hmm. five, six seasons, something like that. Yeah. And 
Um, you know, it's, you know, there's got to get a little bit of stability there and try to rebuild that program. All right, Steve, well, let's talk about what's going on in, in the track. I, I know you're down there in Darlington, some action yesterday. Talk with us a little bit about what's going on this weekend at Darlington, and then we'll get into this this playoff talk. Well, there's a packed weekend down here in Darlington, starting kicking off later this afternoon with the Xfinity Series. Uh, just a little after 3.30, and then tomorrow, for anybody that's going to show up at the racetrack, they're going to get two playoff races for one. Uh, the Truck Series is going to roll just a little after 1 o'clock, and then the Southern 500 uh, a little after 6 o'clock. So, uh, jam-packed weekend over two days. Absolutely. So, really excited to see what happens. Now, as we begin the playoff picture, and we look at the, the, the current standings, if you will, and we look at Kyle Larson, obviously being one of those guys that we're going to keep an eye on, uh, Martin Truex, uh, Kurt Busch, uh, Chase Elliott, all of those in, in the mix there. Any, any uh, spoiler alerts, if, if you will, in that group that we, we, we may, might see happen this weekend? Well, you got to remember that um, both uh, last year when uh, when NASCAR returned, Kevin Harvick won uh, that return race last May. Uh, Denny Hamlin has uh, been here to, to Darlington and has won uh, three times in the Cup Series himself. Um, so those are two guys that are going to start off in pretty deep in this playoff because you neither know, one of them did win during the regular season. Um, Kevin Harvick is dead last in the points. Denny Hamlin is joining him closer to the bottom down there. Um, so those are two guys that, you know, if they need a, a kind of that walk-off win to, to kickstart their playoffs, um, those are two two that I would say take a look at um, this weekend and watch both of them uh, tomorrow because they really, really need to make something happen and make it happen happen very quickly well as we as we, as we learned over the weekend uh there's there's not uh, drama and stress for denny hamlin on the track also off the track as the world turns around nascar <laughs> the things <laughs> the thing the thing social media you know i i it, to me it's it's a personal thing between them if they're not going to make it whatever if he's not the kind of man that she wants, needs, or whatever, that she's making the right decision to move on, you know, do what's best for them and the kids. As long as the kids aren't hurt in any way, uh, you know, let Danny have his personal life and break up with his girlfriend or or whatever. I really don't think that social media needs to take up the space on that. And, you know, of course, NASCAR latched onto it too. So since they latched onto it, we'll give it about every bit of 10 seconds. What do you thought about this uh, soap opera developing around Diddy Hamlin. I should have some of that music playing <laughs> in the background. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but yeah, I was never. I was, I was never yeah, I was never like a big soap opera fan, but you know, uh, I I I catch your reference there. Um, you know, <laughs> you're right that if it's if it comes down to that the two of them just can't make this thing work, you know, just make sure that you're watching out for the kids in this picture and making sure that they're being taken care of. Um, we have enough, you know, I guess to editorialize for a second is that, you know, we we have enough uh, in, in, you know, others that have uh, gone through similar situations and, you know, you, you read all the time or you hear all the time about kids that are, uh, you know, pawns in the process, and, you know, just as long as the two of them can make that work somehow, um, just remember about the two kids that are that are involved in this picture. 
So as we look ahead, coming up in the next week, obviously 9-11, the remembering of 9-11. Uh, NASCAR has always been big in, in remembering 9-11. Do they have anything planned for next weekend as a memorial or tribute, whether it's car schemes or what have you, uh, for 9-11? Well, you know, I, I, you know, it's funny that you say that because next weekend's race is all, is dedicated to all the first responders um, that you know have have put a part into this over all these years and all the people that you know we did lose there at 9/11. Um, you know, when 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 this thing, uh, you know, in 2001, when this thing, um, you know, I think it was about uh, like a weekend or so later. Um, you know that that this you know Richmond Richmond was kind of uh, 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 smacked right in the uh, center of this whole thing with the you know with this happening and then they're getting ready to come to Richmond and some major major modifications and changes and things like that and uh, you know when they finally did get there um, you know uh, there there was a pretty neat tribute to all the people um, you know that that had been lost and you know just the you know, just the American spirit of, you know, reconnecting back together. And, you know, here 20 years later, Richmond is being put right back in the center PCA again at the 20th anniversary being run on that day. Talking with Steve Wilson from uh, Speedway Digesting, and, you know, it's just one of those days that you, you just have to remember, and especially with all the things that have been going on, well, both uh, domestically and abroad uh, with our country, which is a different topic for a different show. But the point is we, we do have to take some time to remember a 9-11. Not ashamed of that at all. I think that that is something that is very, very important and, and must happen. And always remember the veterans and the, and the uh, first responders. Did you happen to see uh, the promo video, the 9-11 memorial video that University of Nebraska football uh, put together and certainly getting a lot of slack. Don't understand why. Again, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but uh, he's walking down the uh, Nebraska street uh, in a Nebraska football uniform uh, with, with a flag draped over and obviously people following him. He's a former Navy still. Did you get a chance to see that video? What are your thoughts on it? No, I actually haven't even heard about that video. Okay, I'll get it over to you uh, via text later on today, and, and then we can we can look at it. Up. And I'm going to try to play it next weekend. It's an, just an awesome tribute uh, to that. So let's, go, let's talk about some of the drivers here who we know are in the mix as we get into the playoffs. But for, before I do that, I, I meant to go when we were talking earlier about Darlington. There seems to be some issues at the Darlington track with, with the surfaces and the patch issues that have become issues for drivers. Is there any any thoughts on what, what's going on there? Well, I've I've talked to Kerry Tharp, and um, you know he he had uh, kind of uh, explained the issue as to what's going on, and you know in some of his other e- interviews he kind of explained what was going on down there. Um, you know the track has not been re- repaved since two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Um, for the most part, the entire track is doing okay as far as um, staying. Um, you know, staying together, but they were just having some issues down there in that turn two area um, where every time it would rain or there'd be, you know, a rainstorm or something like that, they would, they would uh, find that they were having weepers coming up to the track and they were having a real hard time trying to keep that part of the track dry. So they had tried to 
patch it a couple times over the years and uh, finally just uh, got to a point where they brought in some engineers, they brought in uh, NASCAR, they brought in a paving company, and they all looked, uh, they all kind of gave their opinion on what would be the best thing to do. And, and they thought that just to cut that entire section out and just repave that entire section um, and then try and, you know, um, you know, save the rest of the track because apparently, uh, according to, um, engineers and NASCAR and everybody that has taken a look at the track. The rest of the track is okay. It was just, just that one particular part. And really, I think they're trying to preserve the track because, you know, it is a very rough, gritty racetrack that tears up your tires and that plays a large portion into the race. And I think they were trying to make sure that they maintained, um, you know, as much of that as possible, you know, uh, for, for, you know, the racing experience that, that, that has um, been traditionally Darlington. All right, let's go ahead and break down this race. Let's get into the playoff talk. We joked around a little bit about Dan- Danny Hamlin. I'm sure he's not going to allow that to be a part of the focus of the race. He starts uh, in, in row one, uh, right next to uh, Ryan Blaney, sorry, uh, in his Toyota. Certainly, Danny Hamlin has consistency in the playoffs. Let's talk about Danny Hamlin, the playoff driver. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, just again, I think it just comes down to, um, you know, Denny has come into this race without a regular season win. Um, You know, Blaney won two weeks in a row. Kyle Larson has won five times this season, and we can just go down the list. And and that, you know, a lot of people kind of looked at uh, uh, either the two Daytonas, uh, and he just had a horrible, uh, you know, just a horrible outing at Daytona and, you know, caught up in a wreck last week at Daytona, which – uh, really just kind of, you know, just uh, it culminated with the whole, uh, you know, him lo- not only just, you know, he, he, he losing out on the regular season championship, even though that he had been consistent through the majority of the season, and him a large portion of it also even leading the championship of standings coming, uh, you know, as the, the regular season started to close out. But it was really just Kyle Larson that, you know, seemed to pour it all on those five wins. And then, you know, just what happened last week with him and the incident there at um, uh, Daytona has uh, just really just shook that up a lot. Um, but Denny, um, again, uh, you know, I think he, he, he needs, as I said, he needs to really find some way to get that walk-off home run and try and kickstart his uh, rest of his year because you just really don't have a lot of time. You have Darlington this week, you have Richmond, and then you have Bristol, and then, They've already moved on to the next round of the playoffs, so you don't really have a whole lot of opportunity uh, coming to, coming in and uh, you know trying to put something together this late in the season. It really just has to be from day one or race one through through the whole ten weeks. Kurt Busch has to have a pretty good showing out the gate in the playoff series. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, he's in the, in the middle of the pack and in the playoff standings. Uh, he's uh, starting uh, next to Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott's a little bit better in the pack, uh, higher up, at least in the top 10. Uh, you know, Kurt Busch is, I believe, 11 uh, in, in the standings, the last that, that I checked on this. How important of a race does Darlington have to be to Kurt Busch? Well, you know, Kurt, Kurt Busch has, uh, was famously in 2003 fought Ricky Craven to one of NASCAR's closest finishes mm-hmm. here. So it is a good track for him, and he knows how to get around it, uh, obviously. And hopefully, you know, with just 10 races left, 
Uh, Kurt Busch is, uh, you know, not kind of one of those lane, dri- one of those lane duck drivers. They have uh, that organization that he's currently with has been sold to another entity, and he's moving on to 23XI Racing next year. So, you know, he he hopefully in these next 10 weeks they're able to continue keeping these things kind of gathered up and uh, um, pushing him I- I- into the playoffs, but. Um, yeah, it, it's a, uh, it, it's definitely again, you know, anytime you talk about some of these drivers that are that far back and even tenth or eleventh in the points, um, you know, again, you just don't. They're just really, and I, and I don't know how many times I can kind of reiterate this. There's just not enough plot time you have to make something work and you have to make it work pretty quickly it's just really just if you if you've been uh you know a mid-pack driver or a driver that you know Kerbo should won he did win one time earlier in the season which you know, kind of solidified himself into the into the championship but really if you're just a, a mid-pack driver or, or a driver that has struggled a little bit here and there um you know and you're still trying to figure that out then you know you're gonna really really again have a tough time Let's talk a little bit about Kyle Larson. In fact, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kyle Larson. And what a great comeback story. What a great story, feel-good story it is for the sport, uh, for Kyle himself, uh, and just where he's got his position. And and, and certainly uh, a lot of things can happen over the next 10 races. But at the moment, it appears to be Kyle Larson's uh, championship to lose. But even if he doesn't win, championship he's come and made so many strides uh i mean we we don't want to get into what he did we all know what he did we all know what he said and you know a, a lot of us think that maybe it was taken too far but it, it is what it is it happened he he did his training he did what he was supposed to do at what was requested of, of nascar he's also been doing double duty he's also uh r- running in the world of outlaws he's also doing very well in other race circuits so uh, this uh, Kyle Larson is a much different Kyle Larson that we saw two years ago, and hats off to him. But what are your thoughts, Kyle Larson, going in, into to Darlington? He starts in row three, uh, position six there in his Hendrix uh, Cars.com Chevrolet. Uh, Kyle, Larson, uh, Kyle Larson. Yeah, no, I think you're right. He's won five times already this year. And he's been pretty much the, uh, you know, as as the summer has worn on and we see him win, and then, you know, we all kind of sit around and joke, and, well, there's Carl Larson winning again because that's all Carl Larson ever does is win. Um, so, you know, it's just, uh, you know, for him, it, it, you're right, it's, it's also a great comeback story because a year ago he was sitting at home where he was racing dirt races, and, you know, we were seeing the same thing about him in the dirt races that he was running in. Well, there's Carl Larson doing what he normally does, winning again, and, uh, you know he's he won the he won the season of uh, the regular season championship, um, and now you know he's pretty he's uh, locked himself into a good position going into Darlington and over the next couple of weeks. Um, so for him, uh, well, really it's not a time to relax and kick back your kick up your feet by any means. He does have that little bit of comfortable lead out there that he is able to. Uh, you know, if he has a bad race this week or next week or, you know, uh, at, well, next week at Richmond or, the, or at Bristol or something like that, you know, he's 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 in a position where, you know, he can brush that off and kind of move on. But, yeah, I think moving over to Hendricks has been good for him. You've seen all the good things that he's done this year. And, you know, they, they've definitely put together a team around him that looks like they are a championship caliber. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I certainly would not be surprised at all. Let's talk a little bit about Brad Koloski. Uh, and he's one that's used to being up front in the playoffs uh, situation. He's not one that is usually that we look at in the middle to the late part of the pack and really has to have a good race every race here going out and in, in, in place well, if not win, uh, to even have an opportunity to get into the championship. But Brad Koloski, uh, what kind of expectations do we have from him? Is, is he on his on the other side of the mountain with him? Not that he's ready to retire now. I know he's got a lot of stuff going on with his trucks and a lot of other stuff. But as far as being a driver, do, are, we, are we starting to see that maybe he's starting to – uh, excuse the pun, but following back in the pack. Well, you know, uh, with Brad, it's it's you know he won that championship back in 2012, and um, he's showed bright spots throughout the career. And you know, Penske has has really been an organization where they've poured a lot of money behind behind him and just the organization in general to make sure that they are out there winning in races. And he's only won one time this year, you know, versus, you know, again, the um, Ryan Blaney that's won twice in a row already uh, in the last couple of weeks. So, um, well, I think that they are, um, you know, I think that they are kind of maybe maybe Brad Kozlowski kind of felt like, you know, there was nothing left for him at Penske. He's done everything that he can try and do over there. And maybe that the, there's a change in, in order, which is with him moving to Roush Racing next year, Roush Fenway Racing next year, then maybe that will uh, reinvigorate his career somehow. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll have to review the names of you seeing how that is. But, you know, don't don't count him out when he comes, goes to a place like uh, – um, uh, Talladega in a few weeks, and you know he he's a he's a very uh, he he's picked up a lot of uh, restrictor plate uh, style um, pack style racing that has done him well over the years. And um, while I don't know if that's too late already in the game to try and do something, but you know still um, to your point, uh, you know Brad Keselowski does have a lot of other things going on in his uh, life. He's uh, you know he has a manufacturing. Uh, company that he uh, built out of his old truck series shop, and you know maybe maybe you're right, maybe maybe he is. Uh, you know every driver comes to a point where uh, uh, you know they're kind of get over that that hill, and you know they're on that downside of his uh, their career, and maybe that this is the point which uh, Brad Keselowski becomes um, kind of on the downside of his career, and uh, you know is looking um, you know for the future after whatever beholds him at uh, Roush Fenway Racing. Let's take a look. You want to look for an, an underdog in the playoffs, and certainly has a has a huge mountain to climb to even have an opportunity to do there. But one of the underdogs I like in, in the mix of those is Michael McDowell, uh, and he certainly would be the underdog for the playoffs for sure this year. Is that's an understatement, absolutely. But front row has the smallest budget of any team in the postseason and three Cup Series wins in its history. Uh, but this is the team's second postseason berth. After qualifying with Chris, with Chris Butcher, sorry, who won a weather-shortened race at Pocono Raceway in 2016, Michael McDowell, underdog for sure, but he has the grit to make it happen. Yeah, I think he shocked the world this year when he came off and walked off with that uh, Daytona 500 win uh, to kickstart the season. And um, you know, yes, there there is they are a team that has. Um, uh, definitely underfunded when it comes against some of the bigger um, uh, names that are uh, that are in these playoffs, and 
they are going to struggle. That is that is no secret to that, that they are going to struggle to be able to keep up, uh, you know, in some of these events and, you know, through uh, these 10 weeks. And, um, yeah, I think if he's going to have to do something very spectacular, um, but don't forget Talladega is coming up later on, um, you know, in this, in this playoffs within uh, about a month and about a month and front, uh, front row, Motorsports has won there uh, before with uh, David uh, with David Reagan and um, uh, David Gillen coming in second there a couple of years back. Well, maybe more than a couple of years, more like a several few years back. But still, you know, those are great equalizer races. But I don't know if that's really enough to propel them all the way down to Phoenix. You know, let's talk about Kevin Harvick. And if you want to just say, for if you will. Last year to this year, Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, you know, uh, did a complete switch around. And Kevin Harvick was one we we looked at. And Stuart Haas Racing was one a team that we looked at to be very competitive uh, in, in the playoffs. And you know, Kevin Harvick is is you know leading is is last in in the playoffs. Uh, and I don't think Eric made it in either. No, I guess he didn't make it in the 14th. So you got Eric. And Kevin Harvey, that leads to what my question is. We're seeing, again, what used to be really powerful teams, Stuart Haas, uh, not really seem to be having a lot going on. Is there, is there something going on with their cars, with their chemistry in the, in the shop? I mean, I know Tony can be a bit of a hard ass, but I don't know how much day-to-day operations that he has on these, these teams. But we look at Kevin Harvick particularly, uh, but also uh, Stuart Haas as – really not being what we're used to seeing them at this time of year. Yeah, Stuart Hosser this year has really been way, way off their game. They have not done and put up the kind of uh, things that we've seen them do in the past. Uh, you know, that you know there was at one point when, um, you know, not even within the last two or three years or so, that all we would talk about is Kevin Harvick winning every other week. And I think he won something mm-hmm. like seven or races or something like that throughout the season. Um, but, you know, they have to take the championship home. Um, this year, uh, Kevin Harvick, I mean, he's won no races. He's won no stages. He's, uh, you know, it, it's been marred by uh, Stuart Haas Racing as, as a whole, as an organization over there. And uh, whilst uh, Eric Almarola did win one event at New Hampshire, um, you know, again, that's uh, – you know, something that, uh, you know, we, we've not typically seen out of the Stuart Haas racing. We, we're typically talking about them being more competitive. We're talking about Kevin Harvick running up front more. We're talking about Kevin Harvick winning. And then, you know, we'll sprinkle in, you know, one or two other drivers in there within the Stuart Haas racing organization that is, you know, visiting victory lane at least once or twice throughout the season. But they're still putting up pretty decent numbers, and that just hasn't seemed to be the case this year across the entire four-car um, team, all four car teams that they have. Um, same thing with Cole Custer, same way with uh, Chase Briscoe. Um, and, and aside, again, from that bright spot that Eric Almarol won at New Hampshire, um, really, Stuart Haas Racing has been a, a non-factor most of the year. Steve, is it too early to pick a, a champion, or can we just go ahead and say that we all think it's going to be Kyle Larson? But that very well may not be the case. If, but if we were to make an educated choice or an educated pick, is now the time that we could do that, or do you think we need to be about five more races down the road before we can actually make that kind of a decision? 
No, I don't think it'll take proper racers, though. I think within the next one or two racers or something like that, when we start seeing how these um, drivers start stacking up against one another at week to week, um, see, you know, who's able to come off this weekend with a win. You know, if somebody like Danny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, you know, that'll weigh down in the points, or, you know, Kevin Harvick that's last in the points, maybe one of them is is able to do something crazy and, you know, come off with that win this weekend and really just propel them on to the next, uh, state, uh, the next round of the playoffs or, you know, even next week at Bristol or, or I mean, next week at Richmond or Bristol. And I think after that, I think we can start getting a more clearer picture onto this. But, yeah, I, I, you know, don't – you know, Carl Larson, I do really honestly think he is the perennial favorite. I think he's going to be the one to beat, and he really has been the one to beat all all year long. And even and even Chase Elliott, the defending champion, has not been able to, you know, in some respects, been able to put up the numbers and do some of the things that Kyle Larson has done this year. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I think within the next couple of weeks, two, three weeks, by the time we get out of the first round of the playoffs, I think we'll have a much clearer picture of where we're at and, and just who's able to do what. And if something crazy happens again, like the Kevin Harvick's of the world or somebody like that, or maybe even the Michael McDowell's or, or Brad Kozlowski's or Kurt Busch or somebody like that, just really stuns over the next couple of weeks and really does something to really shake these points up. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor, joins us today as we kick off the playoffs for NASCAR uh, and uh, this weekend. Uh, Steve, where can people find your work in Masterpieces? They can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Any big plans for the holiday weekend, sir? Not at all. Like it, like it actually be a good thing. Uh, as I said earlier, I'm I'm just going to be hanging out at the house. I'm, I'm making some brats tonight, smoking some drummies tomorrow, smoking a brisket on 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 Monday. I'm sure, there's going to be some alcoholic beverages flowing, uh, football and racing. That's that's on my agenda. So it sounds like a pretty good weekend. <laughs> well, if you uh, if you get that brisket uh, ready, just uh, you can send some my way. I I made one earlier um, earlier last week and. Uh, it's pretty much all gone. Well, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> i tell you what, brisket brisket is uh, uh, one of my favorites, uh, that's for sure. So uh, if there's any left, I'll yeah. try to get some down to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, Steve. We'll talk with you soon. Be all safe. Right, man. Talk to you later. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, joins us. I want to uh, thank uh, – Rick Riggan, our official college football college football prognosticator. <laughs> Adam Jevenden, our college football co-pilot. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. And Steve Wilson, our Speedway Digest editor-in-chief and our official NASCAR contributor. Talking about the opening week of college football, the opening upcoming week of, of NFL and, of course, the uh, NASCAR uh, playoffs. It's the holiday weekend. Take some time to spend with the family. Next week, we will take some time to do our annual honoring of 9-11. So be prepared for that. And we're going to get that video that we talked about up on social media here as well. So make sure you're following us on social media at T-Balance. And then on Facebook, uh, the balance, uh, and just uh, make sure you're if you're listening to the podcast, you hit subscribe so that you get a, uh, a, a an automatic drop every time we finish the show because the show is the podcast. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. 
Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.